You're listening to the Geek Legacy Escape Pod. The crew coming together and gelling and becoming this like you know intergalactic family that we know and love. And wacky mayhem ensues. It just feels like they're trying so hard to capture the fans of the original series. Yeah, that was hot garbage. It, he just got like weird, like creepy uncle weird. That was a bold choice. Yeah, I, I had fun with it. It's true. It was the 80s. It must be so bad that they just never <laughs> You won't make it in the future, do they? I don't think so, no. I am not a Tashi R fan. That's probably the nicest thing I will say. That is absolutely perfect way to describe <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. Hey there, geek boys and girls. You find yourself strapped into Geek Legacy's Escape Pod, episode 20. If you came here expecting to find the regular Geek Legacy podcast, I'm sorry to inform you, our princess is in another castle. Instead, you are stuck with your humble host, Mr. Randy Van Dyke. That's myself. I speak about myself in the third person. That's what I do. Not really. But I have two wonderful, beautiful, fabulous, bestest best friends a man could ask for with me on this journey. <laughs> And that is one Mr. Justin Cavender. How you doing? I am fabulous, Randy. Thank you. And Mr. David Edmondson, who gave me a hard time about not calling you guys my best friends last time. You found it easier just to lie to us. So, uh... <laughs> I mean, I was laying it on pretty thick, I got to admit. It sounded for us, but I'm going to take it. I'm doing amazing. How are you doing, Randy? I am so happy to have you piloting this escape pod because... Uh, I don't know how to ride drive these things because they just have buttons. I'm a steering wheel kind of guy. I don't know. I, I don't. This doesn't even have any kind of joystick or anything. We're just literally going off in this direction that we ejected from the ship, and we're just hoping we're gonna either land, <laughs> crash, or get found before we run out of oxygen and food. We're like Samuel Beckett in Quantum Leap. We just hope that eventually it will work itself out. Yeah. yeah. The next leap home. Exactly. Yeah. And, and what we've leapt into this particular week is uh, Star Trek The Next Generation Season 1, Episode 20. <clears throat> As those of you who have been listening to our show up to this point are aware of, uh, what we like to do is uh, revisit the first season of Star Trek The Next Generation, watch each episode chronologically, and just kind of rate them, you know? See if they are as good as we remember them being, because this is kind of a seminal show that we grew up with. It really kind of changed modern sci-fi in a lot of ways, and it kind of revived the kind of thought-of-to-be-dead Star Trek TV franchise. At that point, you know, it had been a long time since we had any TV series, on the air we were just getting some no offense pretty subpar movies around the time that next generation hit and uh i mean star trek 4 was amazing star trek 4 was amazing star trek 5 was was turd six Six is awesome good too hey the even number ones are evenly are are, 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 (laughs) the even number ones are are well regarded uh pretty much by everybody but what i'm specifically referring to five um but anyway strips in the desert just dance very what? sensual. Who does it? Ahura. Uh, in which one? Five. Oh yeah. Is that where they're also in Yosemite at the beginning? Is that that one? And they sing "Row, row, row your yeah. boat." Is that five? That's okay. That's five. <laughs> that was terrible. It's so bad. <laughs> Sorry, Randy. I, it's David's fault. He derailed. Now, I, I'm, I'm actually having a weird flashback from Star Trek V because I, I always wanted Star Trek toys, you know, to be compatible with my Star Trek or my Star Wars figures uh, to be like the three and three quarter inch action figures. They made some pretty cool ones for Star Trek three, but they only made like three or four characters. And I remember when Star Trek V came out, they had these like big plastic solid. They were like 
applause uh, made by applause. You know, they were like non-posable. They kind of reminded me of like the um, the shampoo bottles that we grew up with because they came like in these cool figural poses, but you couldn't do a damn thing with them. And I remember, um, God, it was a theme park where they had like a Star Trek experience. Was that Universal Studios? Do you guys remember that? Where you could get picked up out of the crowd and they they yeah, kind of Universal like recreate. Yeah, they recreate. Yes, yeah, and you get put, picked out of the crowd. You get up there, they put you in a uniform, and they actually shoot a scene on the bridge, and they shoot a scene in engineering, and then they show you back at the end, like, what was shot. And, God, I, I had to have been 10 or 11, you know, because I was right around the time Star Trek V came out. And I so very much wanted to get picked because I wanted to be in Star Trek. I wanted to be on the bridge. I wanted to be in engineering. I didn't care if I died from radiation burns. I just wanted to be <laughs> in the shit. You know, I was so excited about it. And I was like, you know, such a, 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 an anxious little child jumping up and waving my hands around. And I, of course, I didn't get picked. But, um, but I have memories of as I, we were leaving the Star Trek experience there, uh, the stage show that they had like this little merchandise cart and they had like these shitty figures from Star Trek five. I'm like, nah, that's not what I want. I was, I was still, <laughs> still bitter and upset from not being selected to be in the show. My sister got selected to get on the bike uh, for ET at Universal Studios. That was kind of cool. That is kind of cool. And, and another thing that they did too, um, they were doing like a, a visual effects kind of thing. You could sit in like the cockpit of the DeLorean and they were like simulating it flying at the beginning of Back to the Future 2. And they were like spraying it with water and you could turn on the windshield wipers and they had it up on a gimbal. And it was basically just like the driver's seat and the passenger seat. You could climb up in it. And they had somebody like rocking around these metal bars to make the thing move around and they had a camera pointed at you. Do you remember that at all? Did you ever do that? I think that was back in the big building where they had the... Um, Backdraft fire Backdraft? experience yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. And then like if you yeah. keep going through all the different things, they had like behind the scenes special effects things and uh so I don't know if you said you haven't done it, Randy, but they replaced the DeLorean with uh it's it's a mummy it was a mummy thing for a while to where you got to be on top of like uh the pyramids during the opening scenes of the mummy. <laughs> oh my god. And they got oh a, it's god. On a gimbal Where's... and the pyramid shaking and you're falling off. <laughs> Yeah, now, are you sure this isn't uh, the Mummy Returns where we're on a giant fucking inflatable dirigible trying to steal some gold thing off the top of a pyramid? Yeah, his airship. That's just yeah, cool. yeah. Oh, man. I love, you know, I you, love you, that movie. You mentioned the the Star Trek experience with with the being on the show sort of thing. I, yeah. I feel like that's the same technology that they used in shopping malls where you could shoot your own music video. <laughs> Do you guys remember well, when that was a thing? Oh, I, I totally do. But that, that was like a green screen, though. This one, they actually had a cheap little set built. They had other like actors up there with you in costume. And, and there was like a fo fake director. And they're like, all right, the ship is taking damage. And everybody rocked to one side. And everybody rocked to the other side. Right. And, well, that's Hollywood. Yeah. Whereas at the mall, it's just a, a, a bargain basement experience. <laughs> Wasn't there an episode of, of the Cosby show or something like that where the girls wanted to go like sing, make a music video at one of those little mall kiosks or something yeah, like that? So that's crazy. Yeah. So ridiculous. Anyway, you know, uh the the Star Trek experience at the Hilton had the beaming experience where the steam kind of shot up in front oh. of you and you lost vision for a second, and then all of a sudden you were on the bridge. Not the bridge, but on a transporter. That was kind of cool. Yes, I, I do totally remember that. But what I remember more is Quark's bar and getting fucked up beyond belief. Yeah, on on warp core breaches. <laughs> Some place will mess you up, man. Or the James T. Kirk. T E A. Yeah. Uh, 
Remember when we drank uh, out of a stranger's drink? Oh my goodness! Yes, so Star Trek brings people together, folks, and uh, and that's why we're here today. Um, so we're we're talking about uh, episode number twenty, and and so far, just to to recap, uh, we we are heavy in the the yay category. We've actually got eleven yays to only eight nays right now. We are three yays above, so that means uh, we are trending to like this first season more episodes than not. So uh, that's pretty crazy because it was definitely not starting out that way. So uh, we appreciate you guys taking this journey with us. And uh, the episode we're going to be talking about today, episode 20, is called The Arsenal of Freedom. Uh, it originally aired on April 9th, 1988, uh, directed by Les Landau, who appears to be the, the, his first uh, directing experience with Next Generation. And uh, teleplay by Richard Manning and Hans Beimler, which uh, I am not seeing any kind of uh, repeats up there. So looks like a whole new, whole new writing uh, crew and a, and a new director for this episode. So by all rights, it should feel pretty different. Uh, now, according to IMDb, the quick little blurb for this episode is the Enterprise encounters a planet long dead, but technical equipment still functions for the purpose of selling off its arsenal, along with self-sufficiency. Uh, it was rated 7.2 stars, so it was only uh, it was one of the higher rated episodes of the season. And uh, I don't know. After watching it, I'm not sure it, it, it merited all those stars. Uh, Justin, uh, you want to kind of lead off and tell us what you thought of the episode? Yeah, um, I mean, that's kind of with you, Randy, but I, I always like it when technology is the bad guy. I mean, uh, in fact, we were just talking about this on the Planet of the AIDS podcast, where at the beginning of the movie where he talks about, you know, we're set to autopilot and I'm in the hands of the computers now. And it's like, what do we lose with technology? <laughs> like, there's something to be said about the the way of, of, of convenience and innovation. And, you know, it's inspiring on some levels, but on others... It, we, we really lose a piece of our humanity with technology. And I think that's very much the case with this episode, whereas uh, it's an arms uh, facility that's basically peddling super mega equipment, like the, the Jericho from Stark Industries kind of thing. And uh, it, it's total Terminator vibes, and, and, and the machines are too good <laughs> to, to where the life, life is no longer on this planet. And I think there's something to be said about that, like the convenience of pressing a button and, and the idea being that if you have the biggest weapon, you won't have to use it. And I mean, that's a pretty big theme all through through the Cold War. Uh, we got the biggest missiles and the most missiles, so don't mess with us kind of thing. So I think it's par for the course for you know the, the, the fear that exists in this time. Of course, we're getting coming to the end of the Cold War by the time this episode's uh, airing, of course, but... Um, it just goes to show that we will never learn. <laughs> we, I mean, David David hates that we're so cynical in this regard, and he is the optimist of the three of us, but Star Trek just proved our point, and in the future, we are fucked. <laughs> so, in the future, nothing works. <laughs> I think that there's a lot of relatable themes with this episode, and uh, it's. I think it's relatable, and, and it's... And it, it has fun in its own way. I mean, we talked about this last episode with um, the the guest appearance of Vincent Schiavelli. Uh, he's a character actor that you've seen a thousand times, and uh, I think he played the the weird salesman pretty well. And um, 
I I I was on board. I mean, I I was I was picking up what they were putting down. I, I was I was enjoying it for what it was. I, I do think that there's some problems with this episode, which we can get into later. But on the surface, I like everything that's thrown at me. Sorry, that's that was a, that was a long-winded answer for such a short question. I apologize. No, I, yeah, and, I, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead, David. I was going to say, uh, yeah, I, I as the as the optimist of the group, I think I think that the issues of automation and you know we're going to destroy ourselves and computers are going to be the ruin of us i think we're a something systematic of the time this was created you know the late 80s to where i i think it probably resonated a lot better back there when people were like afraid of the computers like what are these computers gonna do they took your jobs i think um but for me really really the highlight of this episode was the majority of it all um you know i that was the story i was most invested in seeing you know jordy you know, take over command of the Enterprise and have to kind of prove himself. Uh, and then, of course, spoiler, he does an admirable job. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really digging some of these, you know, like glimpses into some of these characters that we're going to know and love. You know, we've gotten a lot of Day love, a lot of Riker love, a lot, a lot of West the Crusher love. <laughs> uh, so it was really good to see Jordy, you know, kind of get that. You know, we know his future is going to be in engineering and not on the bridge, uh, but it was nice to see, you know, you know him, his his hard work and dedication being rewarded. Um, but yeah, I love the sleazy used car salesman of it all. Like, but wait, there's more. You're going to love this. Um, but <laughs> there was a lot of Top Shiar in it, you know, uh, you know, I feel about Top Shiar and you know, that whatever episode can't come quick enough. So, um, <laughs> two, yeah, two you know, more to go. There. <laughs> you know, wait, I'm going to, I'm going to light a candle and like watch it in the bathtub or something like that. And just go, yeah. Put on some music, some some when doves cry from Prince. <laughs> you crack favorite. open a bottle of champagne, you know. Mm. Popping bottles in the ice, as the kids say. I don't know what that means. It what, sounds dangerous. What, 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 kid, what, what kids are saying that? I don't know. The G six kids. Not my kids. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like kids in like the nineties or early two thousands yeah. to me. Kids in know. the hall. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with you, David. I, I think the the part that I found that I really kind of latched onto and appreciated the most was the love that Jordy was given. Uh, being able to see him step up in a leadership position and uh, really kind of hold his own, and especially when confronted with the chief engineer who technically does outrank him, saying, "You know, you should pass over command of the ship to me." <laughs> Give me the uh, keys, Andre. <laughs> yeah, I outrank you. And yeah, this whole like, episode was Get like back engineering. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like this guy's a total piece of shit. I couldn't stand him. What was his name? Logan, uh, maybe? Chief Engineer Logan. Yeah, Chief Engineer yeah, yeah. Logan. And we had the and Newtonsons, the, and, the, and I'm like, who are these people? Yeah, yeah. Like all these I people we've never seen before. <laughs> yeah, but nobody is though. Really, it's just fucking uh, Riker people. and yeah, Riker, Picard, Crusher. Anyway, um, so but yeah, I, I really did appreciate seeing uh, Jordy really kind of pass those tests, you know, because he had his leadership questioned and then, um, you know, he kind of did the right thing, uh, set the chief engineer on his way, said, look, I can handle this. Picard left me in charge for a reason. And then even um, when the, the ensigns, the acting ensigns or whatever that were that were sitting in the seats that normally uh, Jordy and Data sit in at the con, um, they're kind of like a little bit uneasy and uh, 
And Counselor Troy pulls Jordy aside and says, hey, look, they just need to know that you believe in them and, you know, they believe in you and just give them a little bit of kind of positive encouragement and look, everything's going to be fine. And he took that and, you know, he wasn't too proud. He took the advice. He went with it. You know, he's like, you guys are in these seats for a reason. And he had this big epic speech. Um and, and you know what, some of it I felt was maybe a little bit cheesy or a little bit on the nose, but the effect of it and the fact that, that he got uh, so much uh, acknowledgement and adoration, I feel like, in the eyes of, uh, of the crew and us as fans, I think it really made it like a Geordie episode, that I, and I really appreciated that. I loved way more what was going on up on the ship than I did what was going on down on the, the planet. Yeah, I agree 100%. And, and this, the saucer section got detached again. <laughs> Went to the White House again. Met the president again. Um, so that was that was kind of fun. Same footage I, from episode one again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because when they're not actually doing it, they're talking about it. You know, like, right. hey, should we detach the saucer? Hey, let's do that. Let's do that. And then they're finally let's have doing a race. it again. <laughs> yeah. I, spinning. That's a good trick. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm with you. The the planet stuff wasn't all that great. I, I did like when when Riker was having his conversation with the hologram Rice. Um, I did like uh, how the the evolution of the technology it was learning. Uh, Randy and I were talking about this uh, before you hopped on, Dave, and uh, just the idea of this is sort of like a precursor to Borg, right? Where the technology is is learning. There's this AI that exists that 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 gets smarter with each encounter. And we were talking about um, the like on old PCs, the just a, a plain old Windows chess game that that literally got smarter every time you played. And then before you knew it, it was able to make it would tell you like, "Hey, you're gonna get mated in like six moves." And you're like, "Fuck you, man! You don't know where I'm gonna go." But it did. Like it, it was able to solve the the equations that, "Hey, you can only do this, this, and this, and I'm gonna kill you." And that's that's pretty scary stuff. <laughs> so I, I did like that. Like the whole time I was like, man, I remember that fucking chess game that was really smart and would beat me. <laughs> and uh, it, it drove me insane. And so, I mean, I, I do think that it's funny that that we see these things from a show that's over 30 years old. Um, you know, we even saw it with like the 66 Batman, basically. Like his his back computer was a Google search engine, basically. <laughs> it solved all everything. Every question that he put at it, it was like, oh, did you mean you need this? And uh, it's it's pretty scary stuff. And now we have, um, you know, you have a conversation with someone in the room and you start to Google something and it finishes your fucking sentence for you. That's horrifying. I, I That freaks me out every time. Or if, if maybe you're watching something on your TV and then you want to look up an actor or something and it already fucking knows that you're watching this movie, even though it's because it's like on the Wi-Fi or something. It's so fucking weird. So it knows that, hey, I want to look up Charlton Heston. I literally started to put a C in, and it automatically knows that I'm watching fucking Planet of the Apes, and it knows that I want to look up Charlton Heston. That's some weird voodoo stuff that's freaking me out. I don't, I don't like it. And so um, I'm seeing this in a show that's so, you know, it's now 30, whatever, 32 years old. And and it's there. It's it's literally right there in our face. Like there were there are people out there that knew that this was going. This is the direction that we were headed, and that is terrifying to me. I really like the the comparison to the Borg, and that was something that really kind of stood out to me as well. Seeing those little drones that every time a new iteration of it came out, it had new versions of shields, and it took more firepower to take it down. And that kind of led me to think, you know 
so the reason why the people were wiped off of this planet was because the arms that they were peddling became too good and they got wiped out by their own invention right um the 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 Federation ship that went to go check on these people probably also succumbed to the same weapons. Um, so it was just, it, it, it was a cycle, right? But I have to imagine, look, this peddler, this guy that's selling this shit, he must have sold it to some passersby. There must be some alien race out there with this technology. How far out did they get? Did the Borg find them? Is this the technology that kind of led them to like, hey, this is how we're going to survive and uh, be a force to be reckoned with we're going to take this shielding technology that this no-name arms dealer on this no-name planet came up with and you know luckily these people came into our trap and we now have this technology it's like is this how the board got it that's fucking crazy to think about more input stephanie <laughs> this is <laughs> dead yeah Ugh. and i okay so let's talk about picard and uh, Beverly Crusher in the in the cave when she fall. Okay, take away the the part where she falls and it looks so stupid and ridiculous. But <laughs> the post post fall tumble, we'll call it post tumble. They're in the cave. She's injured. Uh, he's trying to communicate with her to find out what he needs to do to keep her alive and keep her stable. Um, you know, having a conversation with her, kind of slapping her around to keep her awake, um, and then investigating this cave to try and find a way out. Um, I do think that there was something there. Uh, I read in the in the in the trivia section that they were actually uh, that K that K was infested with fleas, and that the shoot was was miser was a miserable experience for the two of them because they were under constant attack by by the minute um, with bloodthirsty creatures. And I thought that was kind of crazy to where they're not on like a soundstage; they're in a cave that is literally got fleas that are just. Chewing on their Which flesh. Which is funny because it, it, it looked like a soundstage. <laughs> I know, it looks uh, so know, cheese ball. Uh, I'm going to 100% and say that wasn't a real cave. That was a soundstage that had fleas. <laughs> oh, there you <laughs> because, go. Because like that whole alien planet, it's, just, it's, it's your standard... Uh, planet surface built on a soundstage that they've been doing since the original series days. You know, it's got the the super bright colored single color sky that's just basically a blue wall with lights pointing up on it. It's got like very clearly fake or potted plants to be whatever the local uh, flora happens to be. And uh, I mean that whole thing, especially that hole, that perfectly circular hole that they fell through in the ground. Um, that that that's definitely got to be in a soundstage. There's no way that's shot in a real environment. What, whatever dirt they trucked in from outside, that's where the fleas came from. That's or, or where, whatever. Yeah. In my yeah. opinion, that's probably 100% accurate. They got they they went cheap on the dirt and they got the flea dirt instead of the <laughs> regular you know gourmet expensive stuff. And soundstages are notoriously not clean anyway, so I mean, yeah, you know, it could have been something True. like that. Um, yeah, I mean I, those scenes. I mean, they were fine. Um, you know, I, I, I'm always a sucker for when doctors can use, you know, like botany and alchemy and stuff like that. And, they, you know, they actually have those kind of skills and stuff like that. Um, but outside of that, you know, it was just kind of like, yeah, get back to Jordy. Yeah, 100%. I, I, I agree. I think Jordy was the highlight of this episode. Uh, we had that sort of vibe with Data when he got to take command. And uh, it was Riker and Picard that were left, I think, on the holodeck. Um, that might have been like the the binary episode, maybe it was when Data was in charge, and yeah, that just, sounds right. They evacuated, and he just took charge. I love it when 
uh, we these other characters are given a chance. They're given the keys to the Enterprise, and it's up to them to to make it work. You know, they're in a very dire situation. And I even liked you know fast forward to the end where Picard's like, "Wait a minute now! I, when I gave you the keys to the ship, it was all together, and I'm, I'm gonna need you to just put this ship back the way you found it." I, I like. I that. gave you a whole ship. <laughs> <Not two ships>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I dug that, and that that's I think that's part of the the wholesome uh, Picard. That, that we are building to. You yeah. know, the one that can tell a joke and that can have fun and can just take the back seat for a second and watch, you know, his team develop. I, I mean, a good leader is developing their team, right? And seeing the growth and, and feeling their potential. And so uh, there's been, for the bulk of these 20 episodes, it's been Picard being just a, a grumpy goose and telling everybody the way it is. So I definitely like how the shift is now happening and he is being a, a good leader and letting other people, uh, you know, take the reins or the I helm, as it were. Went, that he went down to the planet, you know, I, I felt like that was, like, the second he did it, I'm like, oh, man, Riker's going to be mad at you. I'm not supposed to go down to yeah. the planet. Yeah. Really, as soon like as he stepped. Better people to send. Yeah, as soon as he stepped up on the transporter, I'm like, well, this is breaking protocol. You can't have the captain leaving the ship. <laughs> no. Everyone pays attention to regulations. <laughs> but speaking of wholesome, I'm going to go the opposite direction, and I'm going to change the focus to Riker for a second. So at the beginning of the episode where they're talking about the Drake, the, the USS Drake, the ship that went missing, and uh, the captain uh, of the ship apparently is somebody that went to the academy with Riker. And I think, was it Tasha Yar that says, Riker, weren't you, weren't you supposed, weren't you offered the, you know, being captain of the, of the Drake? And he just has this, like, weird lecherous grin um when he, and he's like looking at picard going i'd rather serve on the enterprise and it's just <laughs> yeah. like what the fuck does that mean is that does that mean like there's some unspoken thing that everybody knows that everyone on the enterprise gets laid or it's like what what is going on with that look and that grin i think it was i always thought it was Riker wants the enterprise i think he wants to be captain of the enterprise yeah. i think I, you're I, right I, yeah but uh, that, that but the look, drake doesn't though, have families Oh, no families means no no milfs, no moms. So mm. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, and and I think you know it's it's the the mission too. I think their their journey through space and and having a good time. I think that was more his cup of tea. I I yeah, agree with I, everything that's been said, but I still think it just the his reaction, the way he sold it on camera, felt creepy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and the Enterprise is at this point clearly like the flagship of the Federation. And I think yeah. that he knows that he'd rather be number two on like the most important ship in the fleet than you know the captain of just some also ran ship. And I think he, mm-hmm. I think he he's like, Well this Picard guy's really old and I'm not that old, so you know <laughs> <laughs> He's already bald. He's stressed, he can't handle the job. Yeah. I'll be captain within five years. <laughs> yeah. Just like yeah. it's like Kirk, right? I mean, he, Picard is what forty-seven when this show started. Um, Fuck, pretty I'm almost yeah. forty-seven. Right, Man, I don't look what? anything like that. <laughs> You're about to be the captain, Randy. Yeah. Sweet, that's crazy. You could be captain oh. of the Enterprise. I should be so lucky. Uh, one thing that I want to point out is that when they they do, Picard gets savvy with the salesman, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll." I'll take your shit. You know, let's deliver. Sign, seal, delivered. Demonstration's over. And then all of a sudden, 
the attack ceases on Riker and uh, David's girlfriend. And the only thing is, though, the one that's up in (laughs) the the one that's up in space is still attacking, and they they find a way to outsmart it, and they're able to destroy it, which I think is great because if it would have just shut off like the other one did, then all this work that Jordy had done would have just been for nothing. So while it might be a a technical continuity glitch that it's still attacking the Enterprise, I think that it was more done in the vein that, you know, LeVar, or I'm sorry, Jordy was given this opportunity and he's successful. Right. He had to have his moment of triumph. He had to shine. Right. They took down the droid command ship. There you go. Because <laughs> they tried spinning, and it was a good trick. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, did, I did think it was a little cheese ball when they're like, well, can't we just turn it off? <laughs> uh, yeah. But Unplug I, it. I, I, yeah, I, I <laughs> tried turning it do, off and on again. Yeah, I think when we do our full retrospective, because I think once we do all the episodes, we should do one episode just kind of recapping the first season and our thoughts on it and what our hopes are for the second season. Actually, I have a really fun game for going into the second season for us to play during the second season, um, and I, I think that uh, I think one of the things we're going to have a takeaway is that they really, really wrap up things really quickly and really conveniently. And this episode was was no exception. Like, um, I, I, I felt there was there was more meat on the bone they could have they could have explored. Okay, so let me ask. Uh, I'm just a little bit confused by that. When we say that they wrap things up too quickly, does that mean that uh, you would rather? it go to the the last possible minute of the episode before they figure it out? Or is it... Uh, I, what do you want to happen to where the, it is the right pace for them to solve it? At what point in the episode is that supposed to happen? I, I think that they had a plan, you know, with, uh, you know, uh, Jordy had a plan of you know, him and Worf trying to anticipate how to defeat that ship in space. You know, so something like that to where we knew, you know, there was 22 minutes left in the episode. So we knew, well, this plan's not going to work. <laughs> Um, but you know something like that, something to where it's not three minutes before the episode's over, and and Crusher says let's unplug it, you know, or uh, it might have been uh, Tashiar. <laughs> you know, it could have been, it, you know, the hologram could have appeared to Picard earlier. You know, you know, what, he noticed the view screen with like ten minutes left. He could have, he could have easily discovered it. He was, you know, getting the uh, the, the 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 roots for for Crusher. You know, and you know then it. Then that person appeared to him, and then it became kind of like uh, maybe like a, a cat and mouse between the two of them. And then finally, Picard figured out like, hey, why don't I unplug this piece of shit? Or maybe he couldn't unplug it. He needed, he wasn't strong enough, or he was didn't have like the computer know how. So that once Dave came down, Dave became the missing piece to the plan that he had set in motion, you know, ten minutes earlier. Yeah, like it's a, it's a flathead screw, and all he has is a Phillips, and so he's <laughs> fucked. That's right. Or he's got a spooner screw. Driver for you, King of Queens fans. Yeah, he's a Sonic screwdriver. Then it doesn't matter. <laughs> that opens that opens every door. <laughs> uh, cool. Are, are we ready to vote on this episode? Yeah, why not? Um, yeah, I am. Uh, you guys want me to go first this time, or who wants to go first? Who wants to volunteer? Uh, All right, I I'll go. go. Uh, I'll I'll go, go first. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was gonna say if no one wants to go first. Uh, you know, I, this this one is probably the one I'm most conflicted on. You know, I, I really, really liked the... As as we are going deeper in the show, I think that there have been a couple of gays 
for the sake of, you know, not dunking. <laughs> <laughs> that is a heck of a time for David signal to cut out. <laughs> So, uh, you know what? We might have to, to wait a moment to hear his response. Um, I'll go ahead and give mine um, sure. and hope that wh whatever David was going to say wouldn't have swayed me. <laughs> um, but I'm going to be quick and easy about it. I'm going to give it a yay simply because I really did adore the Geordie storyline. And, um, you know, even though there was some cheesy stuff going on down on the surface of the planet, to me, that still felt like the classic Star Trek that I grew up with and loved, and uh, and I'm not tired of it yet. So, uh, so it's a yay from me. Oh, nice. Um, that's great. Uh, fucking Dave. This <laughs> needs to connect his microphone. Okay. We can vamp for time a little bit. I can I can tell you guys what next week's episode is going to be. Let me uh, excuse me while I whip this out. <laughs> yeah. Well, just to pull the taffy a little bit while we wait for David to come back from his uh, trip to the restroom on this tiny little escape pod. Um, next week's episode is called Symbiosis, and uh, it's a seven point zero star rating on imdb and the blurb is the enterprise encounters two neighboring cultures one suffering from a plague and the other marketing a cure and learns that nothing is as simple as it seems Ooh. so that sounds fun sounds like uh, we got another episode with another another uh party trying to sell us something uh so that's fun Definitely sounds like we're going with a with a theme with these last couple of episodes. I got what you need. <laughs> yes, follow snake juice. <laughs> Drink it. All your troubles will go away. Yeah, yeah. what do they call that? Snake oil salesman? Yeah. <laughs> so a slight deviation. So I, I used to have these toys uh, growing up called Mask. Uh, I don't know if any of you were kids in the 80s. You may remember these. They, they had these short, super small, little, like, two and a half inch tall figures. That were way more poseable than the taller Star Wars figures because they had bendable knees and shit. But the coolest thing about them was they had removable masks. Hence the name of the show, Mask. It was like Mobile Armored Strike Command or something like that. The K. Uh, <laughs> the K, yeah. Um, and it's actually... Like Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's on... I, I want to say it's on Amazon Prime. But it's streaming somewhere out there on one of the major streaming services. And uh, I tried watching an episode or two of it, and I just couldn't get into it. But the toys were amazing. Because since the figures were so small, they were really, like, big on pushing the play sets and the vehicles and stuff. And and they had, like, this big, like, good guy kind of playset. It was called the Boulder Hill playset. And it was, like, this gas station set into the base of a mountain and it turned into this like this uh this almost like militarized kind of like defense base where everything opened up into a gun like the sign for the gas station opened up to a gun the uh the little pumps for the gas opened up to be guns and um they had all these really cool good guy vehicles but the bad guy vehicles weren't all that weren't all that badass then finally later on down the line they ended up making this giant big rig and on the side of it it just said snake oil and so whenever <laughs> i think of snake oil salesman i just think of this really cool mask toy from the 80s 
parties that I had. So oh, wow. anyway, hey, it looks like David is back. Uh, enough vamping for time here. We took a little detour <laughs> talking about toys. Yeah, sorry about that. I, my, my, my phone got super duper hot and it disconnected my Bluetooth and then it wouldn't let me plug in like regular speakers. So I apologize for that. I could hear you guys and your frustration coming through. So uh, sorry about that. Yeah. Your, your phone must be two years old. Once it hits the two-year mark, then it just goes to shit. So you buy a new one. It's like those Mission Impossible uh, messages. They just self-destruct. Yep, yep. And Randy, you mentioned Boulder Hill playset. The the boulder at the top of the hill popped off and revealed a gun as yeah, well. Yeah, there's a gun. <laughs> <Fucking> guns everywhere. <laughs> and and since, since I mean, since we're going down this this rabbit hole right now, uh, Boulder Hill playset was uh, remolded and reused and turned into a Mustafar playset in 2005 for the Revenge of the Sith toy line, and then it was also used again in 2008, and it was turned into the Temple of Akator for an Indiana Jones playset. That plastic playset from the mid 80s that had nothing to do with Star Wars uh, got to, to be reinvented and uh, reinvigorated with both the Star Wars and the Indiana Jones franchise. So, but the boulder, the boulder on the Boulder Hill place that had a flat bottom, you yeah. know, it was, all, it was kind of coney at the top or whatever, you know, it, was, it, it definitely had a ridges and stuff, but the bottom was more or less flat so it could sit uh, in the, the, the basically the the cup of the top of the mountain. Right. And then what, there was a little lever in the back where you popped up the little gunner seat, and that was what made yeah. the boulder go rolling down the hill. <laughs> go fly up into outer space and land yeah. who knows where. <laughs> Fire the boulder. Sometimes it crashed right on your place because I had those gray yeah. doors that was basically like a, sort of like a, like a quarter dome type thing uh, that, that would shoot out, and if it landed on that, it could knock the doors right off. Anyway, David, what is your vote? Does my vote matter? I heard. I heard uh, Randy's yay. What were you? Yeah, I was waiting in case you were yet. in May. Yeah, I didn't want. Yeah, we wanted suspense. Sure. No yeah. We, yeah. So, uh, so my. Uh, I don't know how much of my diatribe you heard before. Nothing connected. But Nothing. it was. Oh, perfect. Okay. Uh, so I think that a lot of the yays that I've been giving lately, or that maybe we've been giving, I think we've been kind of setting the bar kind of low because you know. We want to love this show, and if it's in focus and the sound is synced, you know, we're like, oh, that's a yay. Uh, so I am on a razor's edge here. I'm like a 51-49, but I think there's a lot going on here that I was just kind of mad on. So I am, uh, by a razor's edge, going to be a nay so I can give the drama to Justin Cavender so he can Ooh. break the tie. No, that's great. Um, yeah, so my, I, I hear what you're saying, Dave. Um, and I, I think I've defended myself a couple of times saying that if the episode brought in a lot of discussion, then I would count it as a yay only because it got the gears turning and we were able to discuss and argue about certain points. If it was so bad to where we could have this podcast be over and done within 30 seconds, then sure, it could be a nay or a resounding yay. But I think that the, the dissecting and pulling it apart and finding what works and what doesn't, and even just the themes alone uh, being such a, a strong cornerstone for the, the yay category. Sometimes it, 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 the execution's bad, like the one with Tasha where she was in the gladiator event where the it was like slow motion fighting, but they were just moving in real time, but it was so terrible. Uh, that was bad. And so that was hard to, hard to recover, but... Um, I, I, I'm with you. I'm right on the edge with this one. And I, I think what I like most is the LaForge 
storyline. I like how he was able to to take charge and lead his team, and I liked how Picard was able to kind of uh, respect him for it. And I do think that this was a character growth episode, and for that, I will give it a yay. And I'll and I'll go back to what I said. Um, I'm I'm still holding to my yay, but it was also by a very narrow margin. So I think we were all on the fence on this. It could have easily gone either direction, but I feel it was like a close one. Guys' bodies, like I'm like I'm like uh, I'm like I know I'm lone wolf in this one here. <laughs> yeah, you would now take the lead on lone wolves. We were tied at three. Oh dang. Yeah, yeah it's it's interesting that you made that that connection, Justin. That um, that really sparked your interest of, as far as like the automation, you know, being like kind of like the enemy of uh, of us and trying to bring it into like the modern. When I watched it, I like I said in our in our earlier discussion that I felt like it was kind of a uh, a construct of the time of its creation, and um, yeah, it's fun times. It's, it's it's good discussion. Good for the game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, I, I already. Uh, I, I don't even know what that means. I just like to say it. <laughs> I'm an idiot. I don't know anything. We're a couple of geese. That's all I know. <laughs> well, um, is, that, is that a swan or is that a geese? Well, a well, well I'm a gander. You guys are the geese. I'm the gander. Okay. So next week. Is that, is I, that good? <laughs> <laughs> What do I want to be? Do I want to be a goose or do I want to be a gander? I think ganders, aren't they male geese? Yeah, ganders and are geese. male geese. Oh, yeah. okay. And, and geese are the female geese? Is that how it works? It's not geese isn't like a gener- like an umbrella term? Like- well, ge- geese is the plural of goose. <laughs> I spruced the goose once, but I... <laughs> or twice. <laughs> Randy, take us out of here. I'm I'm being stupid. It's late. <laughs> I I will do just that. Uh, I did slip in the uh, the blurb for next week's episode that we're going to be talking about just a little while ago uh, while we were waiting for David's uh, transmitter or uh, or what your fuck? What's the name of your your device you wear on your chest? Communicator. Your communicator. Thank you. It's late. My brain is melting out of my nose. Uh, yes, we were waiting for your communicator to get fixed. Um, you ever notice so- that sometimes they start talking before they touched it? <laughs> it's like when you have walkie-talkies and you, you you haven't quite pressed the button down yet and you start talking. You don't wait a beat. And then yeah. it, no one understands a fucking word that you're saying because they missed the beginning or who you're calling. That that doesn't happen on Star Trek. They just, it works for them. It, it drives me nuts too when I watch them always tap in their chest. To I mean, obviously that's where the communicator is, but um, but coming from the world of film, that's generally right around where you hide microphones. Like when you're using lavalier microphones, you're putting it like under their shirt and their chest, that area, that kind of thing. And the thing you do, you're telling constantly the actors not to do is don't hit your chest, don't hit your chest, don't don't rub things on your chest. And they're constantly like doing that, just and it makes all these noises. Um, every time I see them, just reach up and smack the little uh, communicator. All I hear is just like. A thunk onto a microphone. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Next week, episode's going to be called Symbiosis. I already read the blurb to you guys earlier. Should be fun. Um, for those of you uh, wanting to stay on top of things now, we are currently up to 12 yays and 8 nays. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're getting there. We are uh, almost getting... We, we're... We have a resounding lead in the A department, let's just say. So it's going to take a lot of negativity from us to, uh, to turn things around. And I will also drop the hint that not next week, but the week after that, 
we uh, just might lose a cast member. Dun dun dun! Setting up a little uh, cliffhanger there. I'd like to thank all of you for joining us, and be sure and come back next week for more Geek Legacy Escape Pod shenanigans.